Picture the scene. We have the all clear from the Hawkswell and from the government to go in and record for a few days. Time is of the essence. We're attempting to record the whole of season two, seven episodes of the podcast in three days. Audio, video, chat, poems, and some brand new features about which we're excited to tell you all. We'll come back to them later, but for now, we're picturing the scene. Are we picturing the scene, lads? I'm there, Kieran. Like, you know, the way when when you go to a therapist and they say, imagine yourself on a beach. Well, I'm in the Hawkswell now with all the permissions. Great. I'm uh, I'm, I'm trying to picture the scene. I just, <laughs> I, just I can't quite see it. Describe it again there for me. Would you just go through well, all well, that again? I, I, I just going, haven't quite got I, it yet. The next bit actually is about you, Luke. So I'm going to, um, you might you might find that bit easier, you know, when I start talking about you. All right, I'm in so. it. Oh, I can picture the scene. Right, yeah. go on, go on. <laughs> So there's a lot to do. Luke especially. He's connecting leads, he's setting up bands, different groups of musicians, one after the next. Bang, bang, bang. Each one with different requirements, different preferences. He's also playing on some of the tunes. He has one eye on the lighting setup, another on the projector at the back of the stage. He's coping, but he's under pressure. Next thing, crash. The sound of glass breaking. <laughs> oh my God. And, and, and Am I about to get done again? <laughs> no, excuse me. Excuse me now. The next bit's about it's the not listeners. It's you that got done. It's my lamp that got done. Now, you listeners know better than anybody how this podcast is called In the Lamplight. Well, one of those lamps no longer has light. Rory has smashed it, trying to move something else. The tension is at an all-time high. What's going to happen? What's Luke going to say? One of these lamps that would cost you 300 quid in a shop but has been expertly put together by Luke for a fraction of that price <laughs> is now no more. Is this the moment our best laid plans go up in smoke in a fight to the death between two proud lamplighters? <laughs> Do you remember that moment, Rory? I doubt, Kieran, that was a class story, man. You told that great. Oh, uh, thank you. Because in reality, I bumped into a lamp and it, and it went over and Luke went, oh, sound lad, don't worry about it. But you made it sound like, it, like this, like this oh, Come on, can we not at least build it up for a bit more? <laughs> okay, Luke, scratch that. Yeah, no, Kieran, I do remember it. It yeah. was, yeah. yeah. The, the sweat was rolling down my, uh, you know, when a, like a bead of sweat drips off your nose, you're kind of yeah. locked in, uh, in eye contact with the person who you wonder how they feel about a situation. Yeah. It felt like an eternity. Wow, wow, wow. Like, okay, I, I wish you had a camera on at that moment. I mean, you've just described it so well. You know, Luke, what about yourself? Do you, you obviously remember that sound. You probably still dream about that sound, you know, just that crash horrific, of splintering glass, you know? You know, like, yeah, yeah. I suppose I'm, I'm not a parent yet. Right. You, uh, you know, but I'd okay. imagine 
we're going to a whole new place the, the now. Sound of, anyway. The sound of 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 your child screaming in agony and you not being able to help them. I suppose I think that's probably on on a par with what I felt when okay. I heard okay. in in my right ear. I just heard and saw out of the corner of my right eye, just in my periphery. I just saw that lamp go to the ground and I heard that crash. <laughs> and it was less of a of a crash and just more of a of of a leaden thud, as 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 you know, one of my babies just fell to the floor and died. Mm. My nice. English teacher would have been proud of that descriptive method. You just my left ear, or my right ear, and my right eye. <laughs> uh, brilliant, Luke. <laughs> And and uh, how do you feel about Rory now, Luke? I mean, you know that was. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm surprised we're all still chatting. Who really, you know. Who you, Supreme Shitster, this week? <laughs> <laughs> He's anyway, for a anyway, we're, we we might we might have wrangled every last moment possible out of that incident. It might be time to move on. <laughs> I actually do think that it was a mark of how stressed out and occupied I was with other things at the time that the lamp just knocked off, and I looked over and I said, "Oh, it's grand." And I looked straight back to what I was doing. I just, I didn't have time. I didn't have time for that lamp. You had a, <laughs> that moment you had, in time. You had a lot on your plate, Luke, in fairness. As did we all, I guess, because we have some brand new plans for this season. And we were uh, really excited to get to do it live, to get into the Hawkswell, to record live the chats and the music with all of our guests for this season. So we have two brand new original songs coming your way over the next few weeks. One written by us, one a collaboration between us and some exciting young artists. We will be featuring some more new releases by up-and-coming singers. And the biggest change, I think, is to the structure of our episodes. Uh, starting today, we will no longer intersperse the chat with performances, but rather we will have a mini-gig by the featured artist or band at the end of the chat. 10, 15 maybe 20 minutes of music from them in a live environment. This set has been filmed and will be premiered on our Facebook page. When, Luke? Hmm? Sorry, I was I was drifting off there. What? <laughs> oh, gosh. It's like rotten. when the teacher's like, can you pick up from where we last left off, yeah, Luke? Yeah, and yeah. Luke, does, <laughs> Luke has to ask for the page. Yeah. <laughs> I hope our listeners don't drift off like you do, Luke. <laughs> Sorry, what page are we on, sir? Uh... Uh, this set has been filmed and will be premiered on our Facebook page uh, on a Thursday evening at nine o'clock, starting tomorrow anyway. Tomorrow's set will be Thursday evening at nine o'clock on our Facebook page. That's in the lamplight. Um, so without further ado, lads, let's move on to our first guests of season two. This is a band 40 years on the road, a band responsible for one of the top 100 songs in Irish music history, according to RTE, one of the most creative bands to significantly break into the Irish pop scene, a band who have recently released their debut album, a band described by Hot Press magazine as that most elusive of beasts. That's right, folks, it's those nervous animals. Barry, Eddie, Susan, Porig, and Tom, you're welcome to In the Lamplight. It's Thank you. Thank yeah, you great much. to have you here. And and as is tradition on the show, we have a poem about you to start. Okay, so I just put it together this morning, so I'm just going to read it from the screen here. When this band formed, I was barely born. The royal wedding was the big show. Luke and Rory hadn't started their story, and Kerry won four in a row. But they made a din in the Bagot Inn and won the respect of their peers. They played to throngs. They had big hit songs. 
and they'd many members through the years. There was Shamie, Tom, there was my friend John, Susan Rowland and Christy Behan. On bass, Eddie Lee, out front, Barry B and the boss man, Porig Meehan. Their heyday was the 80s with Prince and the Fine Young Cannibals. But after 40 years, the album's out. So cheers to the gang from those nervous animals. So you're welcome, as I say. Um, the Mission Sessions is out. How does it feel to have it out? Feels good bit of closure. It's just fantastic to have a, have a continuation of within the frustration of, of having stopped some time ago and now here we go, we're, we're ready to go again once, you know, despite, despite the, the, the huge gap in time. Okay, so, so, so Eddie says it's closure, which is like it, it almost sounds like it's, it's, you know, this was something you were mad to, to just to, to, to box off. And Barry is saying we're mad to go. Well, so close so, one door and open another. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm, I'm just. I'm just. It's it's an end, but also a beginning. <clears throat> I think it's fantastic, Kieran, that we had the ability to finish a lot of the songs that were there lying dust for so many years, and we're quite proud of the recent um, finished job recordings of them. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. And so, were all these songs from the early days of the band, or are they from from various phases? They're from different phases, Kieran. Um, some stretch back. I think there's the oldest. I'm not sure whether it's Insomnia or uh, which we'll do later on, um, or or Damien that's on the record. But the the lyrics of those were written in the 70s, uh, really before the time you're talking about. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and at that time, I'm I I think some of them might have even been before I met Barry. But Barry and I met in the college, and uh, we were working and jamming and writing and things, and then. Um, so the others, there's material as well that dates, I mean, clubs, some parts of clubs are only written in 2020. Um, and there's stuff from the, from the aughties, you know, from, we had, there was a, a bunch of songs written in 2003. Okay. So there's a couple of those on there. There's a song that Susan sings called Bird, um, and the Polar Bear as well. So it's, it spans quite, as Barry says, it spans quite a length of time. Okay. So it's a real good broad view of what you've been at for the last 40 years um okay and and what about the the title of the album the mission sessions Porig, where did that come from well um the mission was a house um there was a house uh, in union place um which was beautiful georgian house uh it's since demolished unfortunately for the new road project there was some we, i don't know what i was doing i didn't notice it getting demolished and okay. wasn't there to protest with the others who did but um that house i i moved in there in the in in uh, as an art student uh and there was this lunatic upstairs it was terrible <laughs> was, was, you couldn't have a moment's peace you had horrible taste in music I have a funny feeling that lunatic isn't too far away from you <laughs> <laughs> must be behind me somewhere <laughs> but I uh, know Barry lived upstairs and um, uh, yeah so a lot of things a lot of, lot, a lot of jam sessions a lot of writing Eddie would have been around there a lot um, we brought in Jerry uh, uh, Gallagher at one point came in with all his gear and uh, recorded the band the full band there <laughs> Um, so a lot went on and that somebody, some, some funny person, I'm not sure whether it was John Saberry or whether I had a feel a suspicion that it might've been John because John's mind was so electric at the time. Yeah, it still is I, I to thought it might be John. It been yeah. his title on, 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 on Union Place House was the name of the actual house. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's, written, it's actually written over the door in, in, on a glass panel. Okay. It's painted, painted over the door and the glass panel is this, uh, 
That's so this right. is this is where the band grew up, basically. This is where the band grew up. This is where the, you met Barry, and then Eddie. You say Eddie, Eddie. Eddie, sort of was we met Eddie in 1981. Okay. Or, I mean, Eddie tells me that we met before I, that he played at a session that I organised at lunchtime in the college. I used to do that at the time, but I actually don't remember that. Um, but in, I remember Barry telling me about this guy who was a bass player, um, and um, we were we used to uh, we used to go down to the wine cellar at the time and. Um, Myself and Barry met there, and then we went around to uh, what is now what he called the lane down there that used Morgan and Burke. Uh, Trevor Gall. So and and Eddie and Carol Smith were rehearsing in a in the in the coal office. In the coal uh, office, right? Eddie's dad used to run uh, Morgan and Burke. Okay, and what's your memory of that of meeting the lads for the first or playing with the lads for the first time, Eddie? It was a horrible bang on the door <laughs> <laughs> that we didn't hear for about. 40 minutes probably because we were making so much noise <laughs> and uh, and the lads came in and they weren't saying they were looking for in- musicians or anything they just arrived in how are you right so sort of grew out of that uh, I think uh, both myself and Carl were I don't know we were just learning our instruments really and Carl off, went off then and left left it behind altogether and went and did something else um, I don't think he wanted to be in a band we were trying to get him to, to join us as well, weren't we, at some point? Didn't happen. But, he uh, wanted to drum on his body more than <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it, yeah. But, uh, it was nice because Carl appeared again at our launch, our virtual launch there a couple of weeks ago. Oh, over. brilliant. It was nice to see him. He's over in uh, Brussels. Okay, okay. And what about Susan and Tom then? How did you, how did you guys get involved in the band? or What's the story there, oh, Susan? Well, I innocently landed in Sligo to go to the regional technical college and there were great plans for me to study business. Right. But um, I fell into bad company fairly quickly. Or should I say good company? It depends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was introduced by another friend of mine to Hennigan's pub at the time. And I think the lads might have been playing there or we were all, yeah, we we're in mutual friends. And I was playing the guitar and singing very innocently, um, writing my own little song. And uh, yeah, very quickly we all seemed to fit and I joined the band um, on a casual basis, I think, in the beginning. And um, that was it. That was pretty much the end of college. And sure, the next thing we were up in Windmill Lane recording My Friend John and having a great time. So I'd landed on my feet there, I think. Brilliant, brilliant. Great memories. And how about yourself, Tom? When did you meet the lads? I joined the Animals in about 1987 or so. And I was a fan of the band. And uh, I was kind of, I got introduced to Sligo by a friend of mine called Ronan McDermott. Um, and he brought me up here and he brought me to see the animals. Actually, the first time I came up here, went to see them in, um, in the venue. And uh, I loved them. I thought they were a great band. And eventually Ronan got into a covers band here in Sligo called The Last Picture Show. Okay. And uh, that's how I met Susan. Susan was the singer in that band. Okay. And... Uh, so one night I was at a party out in Strand Hill and full of Furstenberg and tequila, I saw my moment and <laughs> cornered Eddie <laughs> at the party. And I told him, basically, stop wasting your time with everyone else. I am the guy that should be playing drums I'm in this your man. band. <laughs> you realise that Kieran is too young to remember what Furstenberg was. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you're as well off. <laughs> but yeah, so Eddie obviously was like really bad for wear as well because he didn't like tell me to go away or... Okay, he was humouring you. He humoured me, he, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so that's how I kind of made contact. And yeah, by hook or by crook, I managed to <laughs> force my way into the band. 
Okay. Uh, which was, uh, you know, because like I say, I was a big fan of the band. Yeah. I, was, I was actually playing with a band called Authors of Faye at the time. Okay. And they were kind of on a little bit of a hiatus because uh, Gay Woods, who was the singer in that band, she had a child. Okay. So they were kind of, weren't gigging very much. Yeah. So I was kind of looking around for other things to do. And uh, yeah, then I got in with the lads. Great. Okay. And so this this particular lineup goes back goes back quite a way. 34 years. version of the band. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. There have been a, a few different ones. Yeah. yeah. And as you said yourself at the intro there, there's quite a few people uh, who've played with us in different ways, like horn sections, strings, and um, keyboard players. We've gone through quite a few. Did we ever do a count of the number no, of No, I, I tried once. A bit, went, once I went over 20, I don't really count too far beyond 20. Right, so. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so like I'm getting uh, that Sligo at this point in time was, you know, there was there seems to be a, so have been a brilliant music scene, lots of great bands. And how much do you think this band was was born out of that scene? Or could this band have, have, come, have come about anywhere? Or was this, you know, what part did this... This, this particular scene that was here in Sligo at the time have to play in your formation? Well, one thing that I noticed that, uh, in about Sligo is that every town kind of has an atmosphere and every town has a kind of taste. Like at the time when we were starting The Animals, there was a vibe for, you know, Cajun, for example, in Galway. That never took off in Sligo. Uh, and there was always something about Sligo that, li- that, that liked groove. Okay. You know, that there were reggae, people loved... When when a, the Arts Festival put on a reggae show, the place was black. Right. And um, one of the things that when we I think started, it was the proximity first, to Leitrim. Was it the proximity to <laughs> Leitrim? It could have been. Yeah, um, that's a good point, Eddie. Yeah. But um, like myself and Barry liked funk music, and then we met Eddie that confirmed that that was a thing the three of us when we were starting had in common. So grooves. Okay. Right, and and you think that was that was almost native to the town that sort of that fondness for a groove. I think so. Yeah, I, I do. I do. Maybe it's not so much now. I I don't know. You know, but at that time it was people loved to dance. I mean, we we a lot of our shows had the sort of um, people up on. Yeah, I think the dancing is a huge element, actually. And and the creative people that we all, you know, there was a collective milieu, wasn't there, at the time, in the 80s in Sligo. There was a lot of creative people around, artists, writers. And it just seemed to be the perfect place at the time for everyone to come together. And like Hennigan's, we mentioned, but there were other locations. And I think everyone had this sort of collective, you know, there was great music out at the time as well, as you mentioned Prince and there was all these other people and I think we and Talking Heads I think was a big influence mm, mm. for me and, and Grace Jones so I was coming into a really groovy place so for me when I landed with the lads they were in that funk place really informed and I learned a lot from them so I think Sligo had I think Porrick's right it had a completely different feel to Galway or Dublin or anywhere in fact I don't think, I don't even yeah. think we were conscious of it at the time Yeah I mean as, as an outsider coming into that scene in the yeah. early 80s I mean I was really struck coming from the Midlands, like there was like a desert, there's nothing happening. And so to find that kind of scene in this kind of smallish town, and uh, I, th- I found it very open, you know, people were very friendly and kind of very inclusive. And that's what was really attracting me to Sligo at that time. Okay. And I said, I want to be part of this scene and I want to be kind of playing with people here, yeah. you know. Yeah. Horik okay. mentioned as well that the, the arts festival, there was a brilliant arts festival in Sligo back then. Yeah. I remember uh, Rory O'Connor, who now runs Sligo Live, he was involved in it and John O'Dea and John a bunch G, of uh, yeah. Charlie Kelly and they, they ran an amazing thing. Um, 
it's like oh, some of the best gigs I've ever been at were were uh, that was the first time I saw Bela Fleck. Yeah, um, amazing. Some of the people that came to Sligo. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and some great comedy as well. There was some amazing comedy there as well at the, the Arts Festival. But they really knew their stuff, and yeah, um, that was. I think that really added to the scene too. You know, so there was. There I was think definitely a great I scene think another, back in another the 80s. thing maybe as well. I, when I came to Sligo first, uh, there was a blue jean rock and roll scene. You know, you know, you know what I mean. Guys who, who, who played really brilliantly, like Fancy or whoever, like or like that, who were around. But it wasn't an art-driven scene. Um, we thought, you know, and I think one of the things that we tapped into, and Barry and I been in the college, and then the theatre scene that was here already, like even the Union Place House, had uh, this guy called Ronnie Perry used to live there back mm. into the nineteen thirties, mm. who was an, a major actor and acted with, uh, you know. MacLeamore and and in the gate and all of that, um. So there there was a, an art scene that we were tapping into as well, uh, and a theatre scene, as well as um, as rock and roll. Okay, and another because, literary resident of Union Place House, Brian Layden. Okay, yeah, right. Because it's a very creative band. Like it's not a band that would necessarily, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to put you in a box. You know what type of music is it? It's it's you know the chord structure, the lyrics. They're they're great, really creative songs. And I, I I imagine that if you're not in a town that has a cultural scene already, it's going to be hard to gain any sort of a foothold. Well, we were, I mean, you know, the, the the great thing that I think one thing we admired was people who were mainstream or who 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 had been successful in the world without compromising their sort of integrity. Mm. So, you know, people like Neil Young or or David Byrne or David Bowie. David Bowie, you you know, you can we can they're a short enough list. Mm. Uh, and we had, I think we we liked we, we I think we all we, we always strive to to have individuality always there in in, in our creations. Like to, um luckily enough we had various interests um as uh, Collectively, um, in, by by some of those artists you mentioned, and many others, you know, and and, and between the whole lot of us, we just seem to picking, um, find our own niche niche uh, and identity. As okay, and so and so, just moving out of Sligo then for for a little while. Susan, you mentioned going to Windmill Lane to record my friend John, and you know you had a a, a legendary re- residency in the Bagot Inn. You know, so you obviously spread your wings a little bit. Uh, how how did that happen, or was that a conscious decision, or 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 how how did this Dublin this Dublin side of things come about? Well, it wasn't just Dublin either. Like we had we we toured the country, okay, and and there was we had support in places like Waterford, for example. We had a it was a Waterford Bikers Club were big fans of us. Right, was this guy who was uh, they were all into metal. And uh, I knew this guy who came up to a gig that we did in Dublin, and he said, uh, "I want the Nervous Animals to play at our gig. We 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 heard the name, and we know you're going to be amazing." Right. And uh, and uh, when we we did the we did the gig for them, and he said, Gee, it "Wasn't exactly what we had in mind, but we really like you." And they kept, they gave us more gigs, and we wrote I wrote a song kind of related. Okay, but the baggage was an interesting phenomenon. We we had. There was, I remember there was queues down the street every Friday. I mean, like a hundred yards down the street every Friday for a good long period, you know, for months. And uh, I remember one one Christmas we were going up. Well, it was it might have been January actually. We were, we had, it took us. I remember we went up in this transit van every week, every Friday without fail. We'd 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 head up in the transit for uh, for the baggage. 
and it took us six and a half hours this particular week on uh, packed snow all the way. Right. Back in the day, the we used to have lady. to drive through Lucan. Oh, yes, yes. You used to have to go through Lucan and Leakslip, and Leakslip to yeah. get into yeah. D- Dublin yeah. City. Uh, I tell you, that was some trip. Right. <laughs> but eventually we got really posh and we got a room in a house uh, that we used to stay in every, um, on Fridays and so we could go nightclubbing and stuff. Okay. And uh, the, that room, uh, there was seven of us in the band at that stage and we all stayed in that room. So that's how posh we got. <laughs> Very posh indeed. Okay, and we'll so eventually come off the van as well. We'll come off the van. Yeah, we'll go, that's another we story. We got passed by by our own wheel. <laughs> Every van needs a van like that. I think at some at some stage. Um, so okay, so you so see, you're, you're you're spreading your wings, and uh, you know you're you're having some significant success in the charts with the likes of the business enterprise, my friend John. Um, did that change things at all for you? Was that a big step forward in some ways? That the the, the, the success of that song, or or how do you reflect on that? Yeah, well, the uh, first I mean, time I got I got asked for my autograph was after my friend John was on the radio. Okay, <laughs> I was out in Kirchine, and this girl <laughs> accosted me outside a shop looking for my autograph. So your life Kirchine. changed significantly. So I said I've made it now. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, Susan gets slagged a lot for singing the little backing vocal. John is oh yeah, yeah. I okay. don't need to, I don't need a passport. All I have to say is that <laughs> I'm the girl who sang that. Yeah, sings that I should say. Yeah, but it's funny when you have a big song that 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 like that that you know becomes hugely popular, and so a lot of people are only going to know the band from that song, and they're not going to know anything else about you. And so when you look back at that song, was it a good thing for the band, or did you grow to hate the song almost as a result because? You know, it's it, it 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 takes on this whole new life. Yeah, we would have had probably a little bit of mixed feelings about it at one time. I mean, I you, you, anything you do, like I remember writing the initial structure to it, um, and I was partly living in Kilkenny at the time, partly living in Sligo, and I I met this guy, and I I, I thought of these ideas about. Him. I went home. We Bill Whelan was our manager at the time, and we we needed songs, you know, to do demos, and I told Eddie and Barry. I said, oh, I have a great new song idea. I'm going to, the next rehearsal, I'll try it out. But I only had the verse and the chorus. And um, at that point, um, I went back to Kilkenny and I thought of new words for the verse. And I phoned, I think it was Ed, you, I phoned Eddie uh, with, the, with the words. Um, and at that point, you're really excited. But like by the time you've recorded it, you've toured it, you've played it a thousand times and people are shouting for it in the middle of a quiet song for something else you want to be doing. Yeah. It, it, obviously, you know. But no, I think now, one of the things about this time round is that having not done anything with the lads for a long time and going back to it and then having it remastered by the likes of David Lasser, who's done an incredible job on it, like an archaeologist going into it, like forensically um, and fixing things that were long wrong with it. Um, I, I have a new sort of appreciation. Okay, right. It's, it's funny, yeah, when a song is that you've had that long a relationship with a particular song, how it goes up and down, yeah. The other um, thing that it did was it, 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 it created a lot of interest from record companies and all that, and they were haunting us in the bag of in every, every Friday. And, you know, we were flown over to London and we had a few sort of, you know, but that, that, that was when everybody started talking about us as being sort of the next big thing and all that kind of stuff, which was a bit, a bit of sort of pressure on us at that point, you know. Yeah. So it kind of created that whole vibe as well, you know. And then we had people. I remember a guy in the Bagot Inn, I was at Willie Richardson, or one of those northern record company heads. 
in the dressing room after raving about Barry being sort of the best blue-eyed soul singer since Van Morrison and all this kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, and, and of course, all of that stuff goes to your head. Like, we yeah. thought, like, geez, we're on the pig's back here. You yeah. know? So when it didn't happen, it was, real, it was a big blow, I think, psychologically to everyone, you know. But it wasn't so much that we weren't sort of rich and famous. It was just we, 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 we wanted to make that album. We knew we had a brilliant album in us. And we never got to make it because that in those days, you couldn't just go and make an album. It was a really expensive thing to do, you know. You needed at least 50 grand from a record company to even a- attempt it. And uh, that, that, that was what really, I think, what we all regretted, you know, that we never got to make that album. And that's why it's, it's such a happy occasion now that we have, we have one, on, on, <laughs> you know. And there's lots more stuff coming as well. We've been working on other songs as well, so. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I mean... That that whole side of things, you know, relying on someone else and and a company that you don't know, relying on them to give you the permission and the facility to make an album is is a thing that's not familiar with younger musicians, you know, but that's the way it was. And so I mean, Eddie, you mentioned the sort of the, the disappointment when that when that doesn't happen, especially when you're getting built up. Did that lead to the band breaking up for for a few years or was that was that Anything to do with what happened? Well, when you're that young, you know, we were, you know, in our 20s, you know, like when you're that young, it's very hard to keep your eye on all the different, keep, it's like a juggler trying to keep all these balls in the air at the same time. Um, there's a lot of things, it's not just about writing songs or it's not just about playing instruments or, or, or uh, performing at all. You know, there's all these other calls you have to make. So we ended up talking to high powered lawyers and uh, things like that. and. I think it, you realise it's a different ball game. You know, I, just, I, I remember being in London and being offered ridiculous amounts of money by people. And I remember thinking about my dad and about, about the house and the farm at home and, and, and this sort of strange imbalance was in our lives. Um, you know, things were said to me, which I still stick in my mind by established figures in the scene. Um, I, I, I don't know. You know, it, we were unlucky. And we made some bad calls and we were badly advised. And there was various little things. But by and large, when we look back on it now, it's probably quite a good thing. We didn't become terribly... We'd have been horrible. <laughs> and, and, no, I, don't I don't think I that. would have been horrible. I think I actually would have been even nicer. <laughs> and probably wearing, you know, leather. Stuff. <laughs> that black dress you were going to buy last week. <laughs> I'm just speaking on behalf of myself. Uh, of kind of, as Eddie said with there in some other interview recently, we'd probably be dead there, you know. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I think as well, one of the things that, would probably happen and it was happening already I think with the animals at at that time was they were being pushed down a road which I didn't think really suited myself I didn't think it really suited them I think there was much more to them than the kind of very smooth funky groovy thing they were much more angular and difficult Mm-hmm. In so in some ways, you know, and all those corners were being knocked off. Okay, and uh, you know, I think the the Mission Sessions album now is is a real expression of the true animals. You know, I'm as as a fan, I'm delighted it was made. It's a great kind of legacy of 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 the band. You know, from of this period of time. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about an album, isn't it? It's it's just the feeling of getting it in your hand and sort of knowing that okay, this represents me or this represents us. Uh, in a sort of a significant and meaningful way. That's the that's for me. Any any time I've got an album in my hand, it's the best moment. 
It's like, you know, whatever about playing it or writing it, it's just a feeling of satisfaction of, of having, having achieved this. And so I can only imagine after 40 years, it's an even, an even bigger feeling of satisfaction. Yeah, working with some of the sound engineers and with some of the technicians as well that was involved in this album and another album Tom and I did with a band called Bedlam Suitcase last year, there was a huge learning about, for example, a vinyl record. So that the vine, that the the, vine, the the needle is traveling at a different speed at the different points on the on the thing, uh, as it goes around. So if you want to have a very up song and you want lots of frequencies and bit, you need it to be out at the edge of the record. And it, it reminded me, I began to become aware of the records that we love yeah. and how they were structured, like a little like a little opera, and and so therefore we sort of have learned a little bit about those things as we've gone and. You, that's why Insomnia, for example, is the last song on side one. Um, because that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, we yeah. really wanted to kind of like make the... I think nowadays the, with the, the era of playlists, people just like doing an a la carte menu of songs. We just wanted to make a kind of a story. You could listen to the album from beginning to end and it would make sense as a piece of music from beginning to end. And, you know, we, we thought a lot about that. We thought a lot, a lot about that with Bedlam Suitcase and with this album too, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it just reflects our age and the kind of music we, oh, we no, brought I mean, up with, you know. But I think it's something that's really missed now. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I never knew that, that, that the up the fast songs have to be towards the, the loud, outside. The louder sounds. Okay. Uh, so that they're, it's able to handle that okay. uh, yeah. at the outside of the record, okay. where it's not so well. Yeah, you lose, the you lose the bass at the end of the, the, end of the side. Yeah. Your bit, the bass end goes away. Okay. So that's why you have your bass-heavy tracks at the start. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, I have one more question before I come back to the album and uh, it's for Barry because Barry we've um, I've had the pleasure of, of playing with you in a number of different situations we've done a bit in here in the Hawkswell we've, and we've done a bit on the odd Monday night in a gig in, in Connolly's yes, yeah, and yeah. I'm sure you guys know this because you've worked with Barry for years but I'm always struck by your charisma and your presence on the microphone and there's a great footage of of the band playing in self-aid from I think it's 1986 and and Barry you're strutting the stage like you own the place in front of like 20,000 people or, or a huge throng of people 40,000 and well, well, and and like where does that come from I mean you have the most incredible stage presence of anyone I know and well, I personally personally to find that the most the strangest experience that, that I've ever ever experienced, and still experience to this day, even 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 in recording, I can only just describe it as nervous energy. Because I mean, excuse the pun and all that, but it is nervous energy. I I I get so angst ridden. Say, am I going to be able to do this? I ask these questions over and over again. Can I do this? Can am I able to do this? Blah blah blah. And so many things roll around your head so much. You say, okay, you just you you're, you're so. Your head is, or your your persona is all tightened up. That you have to release it, and bang, this is the chance to release it and just go out there, just go for it. Yeah, and I find it very strangely because I sit back down afterwards and say, "Well, that's 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 done." <laughs> and then, you know, that's very odd. I, the adrenaline, I, I presume, adrenaline is is what drives has driven me to it, and still does. Okay. Well, yeah, we're looking forward to the performance now in a few minutes of, 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 of some of these songs from the album. Um, uh, so just um, as I said, or as you guys said earlier, um, this album is, is number one, boxing off the last 40 years and, and the songs that I've written. But you're, I also get the feeling from you that 
this is only the start of something at the same time. So can you like can you tell us anything about plans for the future in terms of more songs or in terms of gigging this live or or what what's I know it's, things are very uncertain at the moment but is there any any anything you can tell the listeners or your fans about what's coming for the, those nervous animals? Well, there's certainly more music. Um, we've been working on a couple of other songs. Um, there's quite a, a bit in the in the uh, and the thing is that because of this lockdown situation and everybody doing things separately, like Susan's recorded her vocal at home. Um, We've been doing things separately. Eddie's been doing things separately. I've been doing things separately. Um, it's kind of developed a way of working, you know, um, and um, we have new material. We have, uh, so we don't know quite how it's going to take. We've also been engaged with some of our old collaborators as well. I don't want to get into too much detail about it, but um, the, you watch the space here. We, we will have new, new material before too long. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that's great to hear. Where where can people get the album? You can buy it at our website, um, uh, thosenervousanimals.ie. Um, there's a link that you press there. The other option is to go to Dublin Vinyl. We use a Dublin company. This is the first time we have. Uh, who uh, Everything was done from liqueurs, from cutting, and the pressing, printing, everything done in Ireland. Okay. Um, and it's a 180 gram vinyl. Uh, and it's, it's also on digital downloads. So if people want to uh, go on to any of the platforms, the streaming platforms or download platforms, Bandcamp, yeah, okay. iTunes, okay. whatever. And if you want the feeling of, of putting it on a record player, go and, uh, go and buy the vinyl from thosenervousanimals.ie. Great stuff, That's lads. Well, thanks, thanks so much for coming in today. Um, now comes the, the really fun part. Uh, what are you, you going to do for us? Uh, well, what songs are you going to do for us today? Um, we're going to play a song called Insomnia and we're going to play The Hypnotist. These are all on the album. By Great. The, uh, the Hypnotist House or The Hypnotist as it's called now on the album. Um, we're going to play Bird and we're going to play Rocket Ship. Rocket Ship. Rocket Ship. Great stuff. Cheers for that, Eddie, and thanks to all of those nervous animals for coming in for the chat. We're going to let you guys uh, go over the far side of the stage and get set up for the gig. And while you're doing that, let me just tell you a bit about next week's guest. Ten years ago this month, Marie O'Byrne got the job as director of the Hawkswell Theatre, and she has made a huge impact in that time. We chat to her exclusively next week about how she ended up in Sligo, how she nearly left Sligo, her musical talent and her plans for the future. All right, let's get on with this gig. This song regularly opened their set during that legendary Bagot Inn residency. This is Insomnia from Those Nervous Animals. searchers have eyes of stone And when they're rooting among their summer duties There's no sleep or snow We watch the cars And tulips grow We recommended Doctors to go to to take if you lie awake 
A 
Not a word of this is true How can you dance without the wind in your hands? How can you laugh when your heart is full? How can you learn when you always win? Mercy for the beaten bull I said, how can you dance without the wind in your hands? How can you laugh when your heart is full? How can you learn when you always win? Mercy for the beaten bull But a headache in this darkened room Is that what you have become? Just a headache in this darkened room what you have become What is this act of life? Are we all just dancing through? What is this act of life? Are we all just dancing through? It's not so 
Rocket ship, that rocket ship. 